Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 124 If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when our enemies attacked us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. When the flood would have swept us away, the torrent would have gone over us, then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Genesis chapter 8 verses 1 through 19. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the domestic animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters gradually receded from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated, and in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains appeared. At the end of forty days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent out the raven, and it went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent out the dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set its foot, and it returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the earth. So he put out his hand and took it and brought it into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent out the dove from the ark, and the dove came back to him in the evening, and there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf, so Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days, and sent out the dove, and it did not return to him anymore. In the six hundred first year, in the first month, on the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and saw that the face of the ground was drying. In the second month, on the twenty-seventh day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and every animal, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark by families. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin go on living in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died, has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin, once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Good morning and welcome to the 18th day of Martin Tide. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from the Appalachian Abbey in Knoxville, Maryland. Uh, this morning's readings are uh, for the first week of Advent, the first Monday of Advent. Um, however, in lieu of Advent, uh, I'm, I've been reading from, uh, or I've been practicing or following Martin Tide, the 40 days between St. Martin's Feast on November 11th to Christmas on December 25th. And this morning's, and I've been doing so with the help of a website called aroundtheyear.org. Uh, the images and the text aren't theirs, but they've done a wonderful job of <clears throat> compiling different texts on St. Martin and images from St. Martin, focusing on um, images from Germany, which I haven't seen before, so it's kind of refreshing uh, for me and which I'm sharing here. The, um, the readings have started over because this is formally Advent, so this also marks um, one liturgical year that I've been doing first formation. Uh, and I'll continue doing Martin Tide as opposed to Advent through Christmas, um, at which point I think I'll probably um, uh, focus more on uh, broadca broadcasting it through the Hospitallers of St. Martin, um, a, com a monastic community in the Episcopal tradition that focuses on prayer, reconciliation, and hospitality, especially for those who have been affected by war. Um, and the image this morning uh, that I've selected is from, is a very simple icon. It's um, a lot of icons that I, frankly, tend to enjoy more. Um, we'll have some kind of emblem indicating the same, setting them apart in some way um, based on what they did uh, in their lives and what makes them unique. Um, and this one is a pretty simple, uh, more orthodox kind of um, icon, uh, there's no real identifying features uh, other than to indicate who it is in the upper left and upper right corners. And this icon uh, comes from uh, St. Martin's Episcopal Church in Charlottesville, or I'm sorry, Charlotte in North Carolina. I visited there, I don't know, some years ago um, and took this picture myself and um, really admired the craftsmanship um, and as well also kind of admired the simplicity of the icon. Like I said, there's nothing, um, I've had to cut off the bottom part of the icon, but there's nothing there that, you know, is related to a Martinian cult like a goose or a sword or a helmet or a cape or, 
you know, fill in the blank other kind of thing that would make it stand out. Um, and simplicity was kind of Martin's thing. Um, uh, once he left the military, he um, preferred to be an itinerant exorcist and help out with baptisms. Uh, he wasn't ordained. Um, and even after he was made bishop in uh, 371, he continued to abstain from frivolities and, you know, uh, kind of uh, what you'd think of as typical comforts. And his biographer goes out of the way to mention that in his, in his community of monks that he had attracted um, and disciples and students, they were uh, denied any kind of comfort items as well. And they went around in like hair shirts and uh, didn't sleep on mattresses of straw, but rather on the cold, hard ground. Um, and so it is kind of reflective of what Martin probably would have liked. He was um, extremely humble. Um, he wouldn't have wanted to have stood out, but he also um, was quite vocal in certain issues and did stand up for um, rural communities and for uh, the disenfranchised on the outskirts of society. Um, and he also stood up for heretics. He was perhaps the most vocal critic when uh, the heretic Priscillian was being persecuted by other Christians and was eventually executed by the state at the encouragement and the request of certain bishops. And he excommunicated them quite publicly. Um, and he also um, was uh, a good friend of one of the emperors during his episcopate. Uh, Maximus, um, Magnus Maximus, or also known as Maximian. And um, so he had this really eclectic kind of cultural chameleon vibe to him, um, but he, it's not something he particularly liked. I think he would have preferred to have lived off in, in um, isolation with or without disciples and just done kind of, you know, the monastic thing. But he was continually drawn into these centers of power and influence. Um, and he didn't refuse to engage them. So in this icon, you see he's got gold leaf and in this kind of intricate uh, stole, which um, is also kind of indicative of the style of the icon. Um, but he was, uh, he did prefer simplicity. And the reading that AroundTheYear.org has provided for us, uh, pointed us toward this morning, comes from Howard Hayes at Scullard in his book Martin of Tours, Apostle of Gaul, uh, published in 1891. This comes to, to us in, uh, from page 136 of that text. Quote, St. Martin was accustomed to leave the monastery and attend the church in order to celebrate Holy Communion. For this act, he prepared himself by special prayer and meditation, either kneeling or sitting upon a simple rustic stool until the priests, having finished hearing the cases brought to them, came to remind him that the hour had arrived. Leaving the sacristy, he entered the church with the greatest reverence and refused to have any bishop's throne or special seat prepared for him, believing that there should be nothing even to suggest the idea of human greatness in such a time." End quote. And so you hear here reflected um, Martin's insistence on a certain ascetic simplicity um, and, and unadornment. Um, and for some reason, what stood out to me is the mention of chairs. You know, he, he did, he prepared um, for serving communion, um, sitting on a simple rustic stool. 
then when he does go into communion and performs them as the bishop, um, he refused the bishop's throne or um, the the cathedral. That I'm sorry, cathedral. Um, that word comes to us from the word cathedra, uh, which is a seat, and it's the bishop's seat that makes the cathedral the cathedral. The bishop's kind of uh, home base, um, and so the very idea that's so central to the bishopric, um, the, the seat of the bishop. Um, is something that Martin prefers to have unadorned and, and doesn't really, um, you know, um, amplify the fact that he's anything different than anybody else. He doesn't want to believe that um, humanity is great, but that God is great. And he's, you know, he reflects a certain nervousness that sitting on fancy chairs um, and having and being otherwise adorned in you know material splendor compromises um, our ability to worship God and our ability to see God for God's greatness um, rather than our own. Uh, and so the the icon that I've selected for this morning um, of Martin, as I've said, is is simple in its own way. Just looking at it, it's somewhat ornate. Um, but for people who knew Martin, there's no way to tell that this is him other than the you know the indication. Uh, explicitly in the left and right of St. Martin of Tours. Um, and he's, um, he has nothing that sets him apart from the other saints, which I think is something that he'd find quite um, agreeable given uh, his demeanor. Collect for the first week of Advent from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to visit us in great humility, that in the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for pew-pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, 
Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.